Hi guys. So we've been on this pilgrimage journey together for a few weeks now where we're seeking to draw closer to God, where we're setting our destination as a place that's closer to God than we've ever been before, where we understand more fully his purpose for our lives and for our church. And this week, we hit a tough point on the journey, a point that I'm sure many of us can relate to at times, and that's the depths. But before we jump into hearing this week's psalm, I just want to make us aware of something that we could easily miss in translation. So the psalmist throughout the psalm uses two different names for God. Both of them are translated as Lord in English, but they have two quite different meanings and reflect two different things about the nature of who God is. So if you're following in your Bible, you'll see that sometimes the word Lord is written in capitals, L-O-R-D, capitalised. When you see it written that way, that's translating the name Yahweh. This was the name that when Moses was called by God at the burning bush and Moses said, who shall I say has sent me? God says, Yahweh, I am. So this name used for God speaks of a personal covenant relationship with his people. So whenever we hear that name, the psalmist is deliberately reminding us that God has a personal commitment to us, that God is someone who relates to us, who we can follow closely. But then you'll see the Lord in other places written slightly differently. It will have, still have a capital L, but the O-R-D will be lowercase. Where you see it written this way, it's translating the word Adonai, which literally means Lord. And so in this sense, it is reflecting to us the idea that this is God who rules, who has authority, who has responsibility over us, one who we can trust to rule justly. And so when we hear this, this is what we're reminded of. So these two aspects of God, Yahweh, the God who is committed in relationship to us, the God, the great I am, who has walked with us through many journeys and continues to do so, but also Lord Adonai, our Lord, the one who we serve, our Lord who rules over us, who has power and authority. So as we hear the psalm now, let's recognise both those aspects of who God is. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins.
You know, I imagine that the depths is quite a private place for most of us. When we find ourselves in the depths of hopelessness or despair, there is a tendency not to want to invite others into that place with us. But let's this morning take a journey to the depths together and look through this psalm as to how we can find hope in God in that place. So we've set out on this journey through the Psalms of Ascent in inviting ourselves to look on this time as a pilgrimage journey not a time where we're just surviving or we're just waiting to get back to normal, but as a time where we are journeying in step with God, looking to draw closer to him, aiming for a destination where we are closer to him than we have ever been before, where we are more in tune with him and, and his purpose for his, our lives and our church. And when we started out on this journey, we started with Psalm 121, which says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. Now, I suspect that many of us during this walk will find actually that we have hit some struggles and perhaps we've felt like not only has our foot slipped, but we're on our backside sliding down this grease slope with a cloud of dust behind us. So what does this psalm speak to us for that situation? Well, it's likely that this psalm was actually originally composed in relation to the, the, the time historically when Israel, the nation of Israel, were in exile in Babylon. And that exile they were in was as a consequence of them as a nation having failed to follow God's plan for them, the boundaries that he set for them, the instructions that he gave them. And certainly the psalmist, in the way he expresses things, he cries out for mercy. He seems to recognise the situation he's in, his depths, as being a consequence of some failing on his part. Now, I don't know whether you see the depths that you face as being a consequence of your own failing or just a consequence of life at the moment. But we can be pretty sure that on our journey we've set out on, we will mess up. It's not always going to be perfect. We're not always going to get it right. And at some point when we keep messing up, we do reach that point where we say, I give up. I can't do it. It's too much for me. So what does God speak into that time? Well, I'm inviting you today into a bit of my garden that I don't think I've shown you on here for quite a while. And you'll see why in a minute, but it's my veg garden. I think the last time we went through to my veg garden was way back at the beginning when I did the sermon on um, the three men in the fire and we had the bonfire there. But let's go look at my veg garden now and hopefully the cockerel will be quiet before I want to give up on this. Well, here we are then in my veg garden. You know, there's that whole thing is there about how we're, when we're filming ourselves to go on social media or whatever, we only show the good bits. Well, today, guys, you're getting to see the real thing. I'm going to come up and spin the camera around so you can see what things are looking like here in the reality of my garden. You see, the intention was that this would be a really fruitful place. Back in the early spring, I had great plans for this part of the garden. I planted potatoes, 
peas, onions, carrots, tomatoes in the greenhouse over there. This was going to be a brilliant year because of all the extra time I had. And now it looks a bit of a mess if I'm honest. And there's times when I come up here and see the weeds. I see the bed underneath my peach tree right there that's supposed to have onions growing in it. Um, for those of you who aren't gardening experts, what you can see there, the lush greenness is not onions, it's weeds. And probably best we don't mention the area around the compost bins there. There are times I come up here and I can be really discouraged thinking I've, I've done a poor job of this and it seems overwhelming because there's so many weeds, there's so much to be done and I just can't, if I'm honest, keep on top of it this year. But you know, this is a fairly trivial example. But it's a reflection of the true depths that many of us find ourselves in. Many of us over the last few months will have had times where we've collapsed in a little heap saying, enough, I can't keep up with it. I can't do it anymore. And I'll be honest with you and say, I've had those moments of mine. And there's been times when I've come up here and I've sat on the little concrete step in front of my shed there and cried out from the depths to God, feeling overwhelmed at how lacking I am, how unable I am to make things right. But the psalmist tells us, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? You know, our response of, I give up, I can't do it, it's too much for me, is actually kind of the correct response. As the psalmist said, if, if God kept a record of sins, if God kept a record of our failings, who could stand? Not one of us. That feeling when, when it's all going wrong and we just crumble and, and end up sat somewhere like this in despair saying, enough, I'm not good enough, it's hopeless. That's how we will feel when we compare ourselves to that goal of being close to God, of walking in step with him, of being like him. We can never make it on our own. Let's get some context to the psalm here though. So Israel were on their way to Jerusalem, to the temple to worship God. And the temple was the place where historically the Holy of Holies was kept the most holy place where God's presence was manifest amongst them. And this was the place that had to be right in the middle of the temple, surrounded by a curtain that only the, the high priest could enter after purifying himself over and over because they needed that curtain to keep them separate from God's presence. If that curtain had not been there, they wouldn't simply have fallen down and collapsed like we do when we feel hopeless. They would have dropped down dead because the awesomeness and the goodness of God's presence was too great for them, was too far from their own failings. The closer we come to God, just like the Israelites, the closer they drew to being in his presence, the more aware we become of our own failings the more aware we become of just how distant from him we can take ourselves at times. 
that's it. Think of the analogy of climbing a mountain. I, I don't know if any of you have ever tried climbing a mountain or, or maybe even just a high hill, but there's that whole thing that from the bottom, it perhaps doesn't look too far, but then about halfway up, you think you're almost there. And then as you come over a little peak, you realize there's a new, another big valley to go down and up again to get to the top of this mountain. When we look at the destination of being closer to God, we can feel a long way off at times. But the psalmist says, with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. In him, there is forgiveness. The record is wiped clean. Every single time we take a step wrong, God gently puts our feet back on track again. Do you remember that picture I shared with you from last time I preached of how God has his hands under our feet every step of the way? And so he can, if we step off the edge, he can just gently lift our feet back on again. We are not condemned to plunging down that slope into the depths. Each and every time we take a wrong step, he can lift us and put us right back on track again. So that, as it says, we can, with reverence, serve him. I don't know if you've ever tried serving someone for whom it's never good enough. That person cannot be served. If you can never make the grade, if you can never complete the task, you can't serve them. It's a lost cause. But with God, we can serve him. We can walk with him and follow his call on our lives because he forgives us, because he picks us back up and puts us back on track every step of the way. So coming back to the analogy of my veg garden, however bad it might be looking right now, all I need to do is just start pulling up the weeds. Often if I've come up here feeling a bit cheesed off and hopeless, after pouring my heart out to God for a while, I will start pulling up at a few weeds. And what I find is that in a very short space of time, I see something that really encourages me. Because as I pull the weeds out, what's left behind is bare earth. And you know, my favourite time of year, I, I know a lot of people love spring and summer, but my favourite time of year is actually the winter because that's the time when I'm digging over the soil, when the beds are clear and I can see all of this fresh, clear earth. Because what that speaks of to me is of hope, is of a fresh start. It's, it's of opportunity to begin again. And that's what it's like with God that every single step of the way, there is fresh, clean soil available to us to grow in, to make a fresh start. All we have to do is just begin pulling up those weeds and telling ourselves, I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I hope. You know, what's encouraging to me here is that as I pull out these weeds, I'm finding the situation perhaps isn't quite as hopeless as I thought it was because 
I can see, whoops, I just pulled one out. There are actually some of the onions still growing here in amongst the weeds after all. But you know, in this fresh soil, plants can grow, but they take time. And there's a decision point now, as I look at this bare ground that I've created, over what do I want to grow? What do I want to patiently wait for in this space? You know, if, if I want to grow sunflowers, then I need to plant some sunflower seeds and patiently wait for them to grow. If I want to grow peas, then I need to plant pea seeds and wait for them to grow, put my hope in those pea seeds. What I want to wait for, what I want to see more of growing in my life is God, more of his presence, more of his encouragement, more of his joy, more of his peace, more of his guidance as I walk this journey. And so I'm going to put my hope in his word. I'm going to plant his word deep in my heart. What does God's word, both in the Bible and even in his spirit speaking to me now, what does it say to me? What does he say to encourage me? Can I encourage you to find those verses that God speaks to you, that encourage you in your waiting? Plant them deep in your heart and wait for God to prove himself to be true to his word, to be true to his promises to you. But waiting's hard. If I plant something here now, it's going to be a long time till I see anything growing. How do I wait? My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. How are we going to wait? Watchmen were positioned on, on a high tower or a wall where they could see everything, away from the distractions down in the city of the, of the hubbub of people and everything going on, so that they could have a clear view of any threats that came. And of particular significance was the night time, when it was dark, when the city would be more vulnerable. And you know, when we find ourselves in the depths, it's a vulnerable time. That's why we need to be like those watchmen. We need to guard our hearts and our minds from spiralling down the wrong paths, from sinking us even deeper into the depths. And so we need to bring ourselves up out of the chaos, out of the distraction, to get a clear, godly view of life so that we can see where we're vulnerable, so that we can also see what's coming. So when we find ourselves in the depths, yes, we need to come to that place of sitting before God and pouring out our heart to him, but let's not just sit there and chew it over in our own minds. Let's turn to God's word. Let's listen to worship music or tune in to whatever it is that's going to give us that watchman perspective, that's going to lift us up to that higher place where we can see all around so that we can focus clearly on God and so that we can see that glimpse of the sunrise just on the brink of horizon as the sky just begins to change colour, telling us that the night 
is almost past. So these watchmen waiting for the morning, you know, one thing they were certain of is that the morning would come. And in the same way, Israel and us can be certain that the morning will come. Our debts will not last forever. But we have something more than those watchmen waiting for the morning because morning would come and then the day, but then there would be another night. We can be confident that the redemption we have in Christ will be forever. If we read the next little bit of the psalm, it says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. You know, for the pilgrims, there were three main festivals where they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. You had the pilgrimage of Pesach or Passover, the pilgrimage of Shavuot or the festival of weeks or Pentecost, it was also known as, and the festival of Sukkot, tabernacles or booths, when they would camp out in these little tents that they made. But whichever festival it was that they were making their pilgrimage for, a big part of what they were coming to Jerusalem to do would to be to make sacrifices, to bring their sacrifices to the temple. These sacrifices represented the consequences of all of their failings since they'd last been, all of those consequences being put on to the offering that they were making, the animal sacrifice that was made for them. Because no doubt since their last visit, they would have had some disasters. They would have had some things go wrong that they wanted to see put right before God through those sacrifices. This is the hope that they had ahead of them on their pilgrimage journey, that when they reached the temple, they would be able to put things right again. But you know, for us, our pilgrimage journey is a little bit different. We don't have to wait to reach a destination like the temple in Jerusalem and make that sacrifice to pay for our latest batch of things that have gone wrong. For us, that one perfect sacrifice has been made. The sacrifice of Jesus, which really is what all of those Old Testament sacrifices were sort of showing an, an image of. They were reflections of what would come through Jesus. And because Jesus was human, because he was the one perfect human, and so the sacrifice that Jesus made wasn't in payment for anything Jesus had done wrong because he was perfect. It was a complete sacrifice once and for all, redeeming us from all of our debts, past, present, and those yet to be sunk into. That's what we put our hope in. I wonder if we can just finish by reflecting on the, the almost mini journey that we see within this psalm. If we look right back to the beginning in verses one and two, it begins with a very personal plea, a cry out to God from the depths of their being. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, Lord, hear my voice. 
Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Just that honest plea of, this is where I'm at, help me. And then it moves on in verses three and four to some pondering, some reflection with God on what some of the truths are. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. But at this point, the the psalm stops being a personal conversation directed at God, and they actually start talking to themselves, telling themselves what they need to be doing. It says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. That, that kind of affirming to himself, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm handling this, I'm waiting for that morning, for that release from the depths. And then finally, the last bit in verses seven and eight, start to turn outward. He's no longer talking to God. He's no longer talking to himself. He's talking to Israel, to the nation, to other people, saying to them, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So having gone through this journey of being in his own depths, in his own desperation, and crying out to God, to reflecting on his situation, to drawing in on God's truths about his situation, and affirming that to himself, encouraging himself to wait and hope in God, he then looks out to others, sharing with them the the journey he's been on, the conclusion that he's reached, encouraging them to put their hope in the Lord. And I think maybe we can take something from that when we find ourselves in the depths. We, We begin in that place of all we can do is just cry out to God for mercy. But then we start reflecting on what God's word says, on what God's truth is for our lives. And sometimes we need to affirm that to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves, I am hoping in God. I am waiting for him. His promises to me will come about. But then that last step is one I want to challenge us on, guys. You know, I'm sure so many of us are going through those emotional ups and downs and at various points in this season we might be hitting the depths. But out of each of our depths, we all have the opportunity to encourage others with the process we've been through, with the reflection we've been through, to encourage others to put their hope in God, that there is full redemption in him, that there is release from our depths, that that morning will come. So as we close today, let's take a moment to reflect on what we've processed in our journey in the past weeks. The things God's spoken to us, the challenges we've faced, the encouragements God's God's brought to us. And reflect, what can I now speak out to those around me to encourage them when they're in their depths, to encourage them to lift their eyes up to God, to hope in him with the assurance that just as the morning will come, 
so will his redemption in our lives. Lord God, thank you that you walk this journey with us. Thank you that you are with us in the depths, that you do hear our cries for help when we need them. Thank you that your truths are powerful and strong and speak into our circumstances. And Lord, we wait on you. We put our hope in you. And Lord, may we encourage others to put their hope in you also, to find their mourning, their redemption in the sacrifice you made because of your great love for us, your unfailing love. Amen. Let's worship him now to encourage each other. May, may our songs of worship be a testimony to others of God's redemption of his unfailing love. <laughs> 